Hi, friends. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Josh. And right now, we have a fantastic bonus episode for you. We are fortunate enough to have the chance to chat with award-winning writer of film, television, and the stage, Gary Goldstein. His writing credits include Hallmark's 2012 Hitch for the Holidays and most recently, 2022's Lights, Camera, Christmas, which if you listen to our most recent episode, you will know we were huge fans of Jennifer. Big fans, big, big, big fans. fans. Not just saying that because we're talking to Mr. Gary. We Ooh. were fans before this opportunity presented itself, but man, now we're super fans. Super <laughs> fans. And I think, Jennifer, this might be, I don't want to be presumptuous, but this might be one of the better ones at the end of the season for us, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Stay tuned. Anyway. So it's going to have some um, some longevity in our rankings, I believe. I think so. Anyway, Gary has released his second novel, The Mother I Never Had, and in our interview with him, you're going to hear Gary talk about his creative process, his approach to developing characters, especially those in these holiday movies, and the ins and outs of getting an idea actually from his brain onto television. So let's unwrap it. Hello, Gary. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Hey, Jennifer and Josh, happy to be here. Thanks for asking. Happy to do it. So first off, Gary, I would just love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in writing? Yeah, well, um, I've been, um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a film critic. Um, I wanted to write for a daily newspaper and review movies. And that was the kind of kid I was. And um, that that didn't happen back then, uh, though I did write re- film reviews for the my high school newspaper, my college newspaper. Um, I ended up um, getting a job. I was living in Boston at the time I, I, when I, after I graduated from college. And I got a job working um, doing movie publicity. I did publicity for a chain of movie theaters in Boston. And that kind of uh, parlayed itself to another um, publicity job working for Universal Pictures. Uh, in New York, and then I was, brought, I, I was brought out here by the company. And as I kind of inched up in my 20s, I started all this really, really early, but as I sort of got started inching up through my 20s, and I was doing this work um, that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I guess I, you know, I guess I had an act for it. But I kept having this gnawing feeling like, you know, I really want to get back to writing. I, I was just so inspired by so many at that point, in time, there was just so many, there's lots of great TV on, and I was, I was just seeing so many movies that I loved. And I don't know, something just hit me. I, I think I had just done, I, I had done everything I felt like I wanted to do. I realized I didn't want my boss's job, you know, which was really kind of a, <laughs> a revelation for me. Um, and I just, I just literally dove into the deep, the uh, shallow end of the pool. Um, I, I left my job and I started writing uh, spec TV scripts. Um, and that was at a time where you could, um, actually get freelance work on most network TV shows. They had to hire at least two outside writers a, a season. And remember, this is at a time where there were three networks, four networks, Fox, it was relatively new, this was a long time ago. And um, uh, and there were maybe 22 episodes of these shows, uh, 22, 23, and there were massive orders. And staffs were not quite as big as they, they mushroomed into over time. So they needed some extra help. So from my spec scripts, 
I got an agent um, and I got set up on a lot of a lot of meetings at these TV shows and actually started getting work. I got work as a writing freelance episodes of a bunch of sitcoms and one hour show and all of that. And um, and then I was like, well, you know, this is good. I'm enjoying this. This is happening. But it's like, you know, I, I kind of need to expand more because I really wanted to write movies. And I felt t writing TV might be a way into writing movies, but it really wasn't. So I I kept my hand in TV and kept writing TV spec scripts and things like that. But I also started to write screenplays. And I took a great writing class out here that still exists. It's called Writer's Bootcamp. And I learned how to write a screenplay. I took it, took it a couple of times, wrote two different screenplays. And those screenplays started to get me a lot of attention in the movie world. Um, I ended up teaching that class as well for about seven years. And that was great because I had never taught before. And I didn't know if I had it in me to teach, but I... I loved it. I taught, you know, over seven years, a couple of thousand students all together. And that really, really honed my chops as a, a screenwriter and as a somebody who could pitch and somebody who could, you know, really had story structure in their bones uh, from teaching it so much. So it was a fantastic experience, had great students, met great people. Um, and I ended up starting to sell some screenplays. Um, and I uh, had a couple of a couple of films uh, films made. I sold it. Also sold a, a script to 20th Century Fox, um, and that went into development, and we it turned into many many different things, except an actual movie. But it was a great experience, and it got me on all these lists um, to uh, get work doing other rewriting work, going into pitch and stuff like that. So it was a really great door opener. And yeah, this you can see all of these things. And I say this for people out there watching, um, listening, is that. You know, sometimes your career, particularly as a writer, it goes in sort of semi-logical steps. And other times it really doesn't. And I kind of fell in the middle. I kind of like, I it wasn't like one thing always led to another, but in the bigger picture, you could see this trajectory. So I uh, started really getting into the, the, the screenwriting world. And um, and then at the same time, I, I had a little downtime at one point and I, and I said, you know what, I love the theater. Um, I've always wanted to write a play. I'm going to write a stage play. I had an idea of something I wanted to write. And one Memorial Day weekend, I just sat down and over the course of, I, know, I think it was just over the weekend, maybe four days, I wrote this play, this comedy. And I didn't know really? what I had. It was, a little, it was sort of a little semi-autobiographical, not really, but some of it was. And we ended up, uh, a friend of mine was running a, a theater, a small theater here at the time. And he said to me, do you have, have you, by any chance written a play that we could do a stage reading of we're starting a Sunday night stage reading series of plays. And I was like, I just happened to have a play that I don't know if it's any good. I don't know what to do with it. He said, well, let me read it. Reads, he said, wow. this is great. let's do it. So we do this, we do this stage reading in front of a hundred people on a Sunday night and it was gangbusters. I mean, it was like, I never had the experience. I mean, I had written sitcoms for TV and I was in the, and I, be at the audience, the audience tapings and things. And, you know, you'd see, you'd hear laughs and things, but, you know, also those were kind of like, it was my scripts, but then other people punched them up. So, you know, it's a different kind of thing. This was like, you know, all on, all on me to either succeed or fail. And the audience was, it was like foot stomping laughter, you know, which just blew my mind. And uh, cause I thought it was funny, but I don't know, you know, you, you think you're funny and who knows if anybody else thinks you are. Anyway, a little so, biased on our own humor, little, yeah. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Um, and uh, so then uh, it went so well. The, the the theater came to me and said, "We'd like to produce this play." So I was like, "Fine, I'm not going to stop you." So they very in very short order, they we had a phenomenal run of the play. It ran about ten weeks in Hollywood. 
I was a play called Just Men. It was a father-son comedy, sort of a romantic comedy as a part of it too. And it, it was it was really, really fun. Um, so that opened up a couple of new doors for me as well. And the play got me into a lot of, uh, you know, meeting rooms for for writing TV and, and, uh, and movies, uh, which was good. Um, and then uh, I continued to write specs. I, 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 got, I continued getting some some free, uh, freelance script, script work. And then I, but I also continued to write spec screenplays. Now this was at the time, I feel like I should have a timeline going along here. Um, <laughs> this was at the time that um, movies, studio movies were kind of starting to really visibly shift from the romantic comedy, high concept comedy, character comedy, star-driven comedies, star-driven dramedies, that had, were kind of the bread and butter of, of theatrical films, you know, during this period of time, you know, the 90s, 2000s. And you could kind of see it shifting more and more into more of the, um, you know, uh, supernatural, horror, um, uh, um, uh, sci-fi, the big tentpole movies, you know, it was before Marvel and, and that, but it was, you know, it was like, they were looking for action movies and, 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 and uh, you know, crime dramas and stuff like that. That was starting to be more. So what I was writing was a little, was needed a little bit less. However, at the same time, you know, so dovetailing this, uh, my agent sent a spec, a spec romantic comedy I wrote at the time called The Wishlist to Hallmark because they were doing, they had started to do romantic comedies. This was 2009. They had started, they were sort of starting to amp up their romantic comedies and they were looking for basically good romantic comedy screenplays that maybe didn't sell as feature films, but would work really perfectly for them. They, what, was, what was not as unique to this, the theatrical world would, would be more unique to them. So the wish list, um, which they they bought and I rewrote for them and and we turned it into, you know, we hallmarkized it as I as I call it. But basically the movie <laughs> stayed stayed about the same, except taking out some language and some innuendo and stuff. It basically stayed sure. the same. It was, if you've seen it, it's it was it came out, it came on in 2010. It's it's it, I don't think it, it reruns anymore, but it was uh with Jennifer Esposito and David Sutcliffe and Mark Declan. And it was about a woman who writes a who's just fed up with her dating life. She writes a, a, she makes a list of what she wants in the perfect man, and she will accept no substitutes. Well, of course, at the exact same time, she meets the perfect man, she meets the list, and then she meets the anti-list. And it's kind of the, about this friendship she struck, very, this kind of, you know, kind of, um, a very kind of uh, budding heads friendship she she develops with this kind of wacky bar coffee barista and at the same time is is falling in love with this like perfect guy and he's a great guy he's handsome and you know say you know like has all this noble work that he does he's a doctor he goes up to ecuador to, to work in the amazon with kids you know he's just one of those perfect people um but she's realizing that as much as he's a great guy it's the anti-list that's kind of you know kind of opening her up and loosening her loosening her up and just kind of making her enjoy life more mm -hmm. ultimately you know where it goes um, but anyway, the, the movie was really fun, did well. And then um, I got asked to, to rewrite um, a script for them, a, a rom-com for them, which I kind of rewrote top to bottom and, they, and it was made. And then it just sort of, you know, mushroomed into kind of a string of movies for them. And I ended up selling um, a couple of other spec screenplays of mine that I wrote I uh, that were older scripts, one called Hitch for the Holidays, um, which yes. um, I had I have the poster hanging here. I just, it's not in a good place for, for this, but, um, and a, a script called This Magic Moment, which was uh, done about uh, nine years ago. Um, 
and I adapted, I was hired to adapt uh, quite a few books for them into movies. I did some of the flower shop mystery movies, um, you know, pitched some ideas to them, uh, rewrote scripts for them. And then also at the same time, I did, I've done some, a few films for Lifetime and a few other networks. And I wrote a Christmas movie that was a streaming film um, that ended up being repurposed for Lifetime uh, a couple of years after that. Um, so it's the TV movie world really became a very vital source of, of, you know, work for me. And, uh, and I love the, I love writing rom-coms and I, and I, I, I think my humor, uh, is it's just, you know, when, it, when, when, you know, I, I believe I'm, I'm not, the, I'm not a sitcom-y kind of guy, you know, in terms of humor, I get, I could write them, but it's more to me about character and you create funny characters who are like doing something really wrong and it's how they have to fix themselves to become better people. And the people who come into their lot, the person who comes into their life that helps them become a better person and vice versa, you know, it, it, it sets up, I think, always a really fun dynamic and a fun conflict. So um, I've been able to use a lot of comedy in, in these films. And I think Lights, Camera, Christmas is definitely one of the, you know, more, uh, you know, comedy packed movies that I've done um, uh, for Hallmark and certainly in the Christmas world. But a lot of it is just being able to write the banter, you know, between the, the, the you know, the uh, the potential romantic characters and, and, but create real people, you know, people who are, you know, just you catch people in, in movies, you know, and TV at the moment and books at the moment that they're about to make a change and they just don't know it, but their life is ready. They're percolating. They're ready to make that change. So, um, so that has turned into, you know, really wonderful, you know, uh, you know, career for me. And, um, and at the same time, uh, more recently, last three years, I've written two novels and, that came out of the fact that I've always wanted to write books. I've been a, a you know big reader ever since I'm a kid. Um, I'm always reading a book today. I'm always in the middle of one one book or another, and I wanted to write a book. But um, it was uh, you know I would say to myself from a practical point of view, um, I, if I write a, a spec screenplay, let's say a spec TV pilot, I know what to do with it. I know who to who's submitted to, what the process is. It's kind of my wheelhouse. If I write a book, I don't know what to do with it. And I realized in the same way that I realized many, many years ago about writing spec TV scripts, it, it was really more about write the material, make it good, it will find its place somehow, you will make it happen. And it's about doing things, you know, not you know, focusing on the, the immediate and not worrying about the, the, the result. Um, so at the end of 2019, I was reading um, something online on Twitter, a, a writer, a screenwriter that I followed, and he said, like, out of the blue, he said, you know, if you're a screenwriter and you've always wanted to write a novel, but don't think you have the time to do it, which was always me for so long. Um, think of it this way. If on January 1st, you wrote, you started writing your, your novel and you wrote a single page a day by the end of the year or even before that, you will have finished the first draft of your novel. And I was like, you know, OK, that's not such all, all puns intended. That's not such a novel idea. But it really <laughs> spoke to me. It spoke to my just sort of, you know, logical, <laughs> the, whatever part of me is logical, it spoke to right, the Breaking it side. down and taking that breaking first step. You sure. can do I it, had yeah. an idea. I had an idea for a character, not a whole story yet, but I had an idea for a character that I really wanted to write. And a novel really felt like the, the place for it. So January 2nd, 3rd, something like that of 2020, a couple of months before the pandemic, I started a, a, a book that became uh, The Last Birthday Party. It was titled something else originally. And I didn't have much of an outline, but I have, you know, I have story structure kind of 
emblazoned in my, you know, in, in my bones. So I kind of could automatically kind of knew where I wanted everything to sort of go. Uh, I, you know, writing a book, even you can read a million books, but like writing a book, it's, it was a bit of a learning curve just in terms of formatting, in terms of punctuation, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, but at the end of, by July, I finished the first draft of the, the book and I kind of didn't know what I had, but I had a blast writing it. And the, the pandemic, you know, started, you know, everybody, everything shut down in the middle of March. So I really had more time to work on it. Uh, so I was able to write way more than a page a day, but I never, ever missed a day. I don't care. I, I, I remember I went to Las Vegas to see my, my family and I uh, took my computer with me and I cranked out a page a day while I was there. I just had to do it. It's really the only way to get anything done, frankly. You know, if you if you if you're consistent, you can at least finish something. So anyway, I ended up getting a publisher, went through the whole process. That was another learning curve. Uh, went through, got a publisher for it. It came out in August of 21, last year, last year, last summer. And so I, that, but writing the book was, you know, its own animal, but, and, you know, going through the editing process, which was phenomenal because they, they my publisher had a phenomenal editor who cut my book down from 98,000 words to 84,000 words mm. and told me, I am going to recommend all these cuts. You know, you decide what you want to do, but this is what I recommend. I don't think it changes any story. It just makes the book fly. You know, just, it just makes the book just very, very propulsive. Um, and I thoroughly agree. Um, and I had, there's only one scene that I, that she recommended cutting. That was my, literally my favorite moment in the book. And <laughs> I said, I'm not, cut, I, I can't, I just can't, I don't have the heart to cut it. She was like, fine, don't, you know, it's fine. You know, but it'll be fine. And I read that scene and reread it. And I was like, she's absolutely right. I, that just stops the action. As fun as the scene is, I'll use it for something else. And that was it. You know, so I, so I learned so much and then marketing the book, it was, you know, there's a whole other thing because, you know, you can be with the biggest publisher these days and you still, as the author, have to market your books. They'll do a certain amount, but there's only so much that they can do and you have to take it upon yourself. As a former marketing um, marketing executive, which was my very first, you know, in my very first jobs, I kind of know how to pu publicize things, how to market things, how to, how to just sort of write the, the, the query letters and cover letters and, and pitches and things like that for that. And I'm not shy about it. So I just did it. And between what my publisher set up and what I set up, we did a ton of publicity on the last birthday party. And that book was about a man who turns 50. And the day after he turns 50, the day after his wife throws him a birthday party that he did not want and hated, uh, he wakes up the next morning and she has left him. Mm -hmm. And because they have a fight after the party, she has left him. And in, 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 in quick succession, within 24 hours, he, three calamities befall him and he and he's just you know a disaster and it's all about how this guy very unexpectedly puts his life back together in a way that makes his life better than it ever was mm. and uh and it's that's a hollywood set you know romantic comedy the, the main character is a screenwriter uh, uh he uh he lives in the same area that we live in in los angeles um, but he's not me. I, I say that I taught that guy, Jeremy, in that book, all the lessons that I learned the hard, you know, I put them sure. through him. I got through all those lessons and, you know, I give it to him. And it's, it's a really fun book. It's really, I, I'm so proud of it. It's really, uh, it's just such no, a I'm, entertaining I'm, book. I'm down right now. I'm going to add it to my cart. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> say no more. Um, and, uh, and I've written the screenplay of it. I adapted it into a screenplay. So I'm hoping that there's a movie or limited TV series in it somewhere. 
So I figured, you know, I learned so much about writing a book. I've got to amortize that. You know, I've got to do it again. And I had an idea, although I started to get screenwriting work again, so I had to kind of readjust my schedule a little bit more. And I, it wasn't, it didn't move as fast as the first one. Um, but uh, I, it was a drama. It was a very serious story that I wanted to tell. It came from a very tiny seed of something in my past, but it's completely unrelated to me. But the seed of it came from something that I experienced. Um, and uh, um, and I ended up writing The Mother I Never Had, uh, which most of the work that I've done has been, I'll just give it a, a little plug right here, as we often do. Give a big do. plug, absolutely. Big plug, <laughs> very warm. Love my cover. Um, uh, uh, most of what I've written, uh, my stage plays, TV movies, theatrical films, et cetera, have been comedies, high concept comedies, character comedies, romantic comedies. I've done some dramas, I've written some mysteries, but by and large, it's been, it's been um, you know, I'm more in the comedy space. And this is a very serious book about a very serious story. It's a mother-son story, but it's a very, very complex story. And uh, when my editor first read it, she said, I have to tell you, you found the humor in the darkest places in this book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that. I, because I was afraid that the book would be a little heavy, a little bit of slog because it's serious. And she goes, the book flies by and it is, I mean, it, it's very touching, it's serious, but there's wonderful humor in it, which escapes escapes me a little bit to this day, but I was really happy to, happy to hear that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a great, great experience, but um, and now I'm, it came out about a month ago and you know i've been doing tons of publicity for it the the amount of things out there podcasts alone have just mushroomed in the last year it's crazy um and i've just had fantastic interviews and with people everybody's so supportive and wonderful i did some great book signings live book signings here in la at a couple of different bookstores um uh because you couldn't do it last year because of covid and and now you can bookstores are doing it again so it's been great so here I am, and and you know, fortuitously, kind of accidentally, uh, Lights, Camera, Christmas, my Hallmark movie, uh, aired um, uh, last Saturday night, and so it's been kind of like two big projects that have been uh, that have come out back to back, even though I wrote them very, you know, kind of very separately. Um, and uh, and there you have it, more than you ever needed to know about me. No, oh, I'm fascinated. I'm hanging on to every word. Same here. <laughs> when I, I like what so you remarkable. said that um, that you that the newest book you thought it was going to be really dark but you ended up having some humor i think that's life i think i mean yeah. i think there's always you can find humor and some levity in any kind of situation that's yeah. part of what pulls you through it too so i right. think it's super important yeah but to me i i really wanted to honor this story and there, there, there were moment there was you know sometimes i mean there have been plenty of uh you know uh comedies about funerals and things like that you know, but right. this story is just to me, it I, it needed to be taken really seriously. But I do have characters that are fun. Some, I have some supporting characters that are fun. It's also set in L.A., so I do have fun. You know, with, with the you know with uh, traveling around L.A. in it. Um, and uh, and my main character is a very, you know, kind of flawed guy. Um, and he's kind of a serious, sort of sober guy. But the people around him lighten him up, and then he becomes. He has kind of a little bit of a right way of looking at things, anyway. So I guess. A lot of that, a lot of that comes out, but um, yeah, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you have. Yes, absolutely. So I'm glad you mentioned Hitch for the Holidays. I was so happy to realize that you wrote that because it's one of the first holiday movies I remember watching. Uh -huh. The first time I saw the kind of the zany, let's fake date at the holidays thing right. that yeah, so that many people not, kind of tried to replicate. Our, uh, 
Yeah, that was not, I mean, it's been done a lot since, but it hadn't been done very much back then. Um, and uh, I, I just love that movie. And that that script is, like I mentioned, it started off as a theatrical spec screenplay. It actually got tons of attention. When it went out, my, my agent had sent it out back then to, you know, to the studios and production companies. It got probably a better response than even things that I had sold, scripts that I had sold. Mm -hmm. But it didn't sell for some reason. But it, but because every production company that took it to a studio that ultimately passed, those producers hung with it and really wanted to find a place for it. Because uh, it, it was a big New York Christmas comedy, you know, with a couple of really yes. very castable leads and supporting actors. Um, but it didn't happen. But you know, fortunately, Hallmark came along. They loved the script. We we um, it didn't. You know, I, I did a rewrite, you know, but it was really much more of, a, I think, a practical rewrite than than having to change a whole lot, um, you know, in terms of story or character. I think it really, really maintains the humor and the character, the character comedy of those people and the 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 uh, the, um, the pretend romance and the pre pretending to be a religion that you're not. Um, and it was probably yes. one of the first Hanukkah movies, really, you know, TV, mm -hmm. TV movies that included Hanukkah, which is great. So yeah, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't rerun anymore on Hallmark, but it does it is on it is on just stream on Hallmark now, and I and it is and it is available on Peacock because you know Peacock, Peacock is now now streaming uh, uh, you know to many of the Hallmark movies and it, it is available on that. Cool. So yeah, I love I love that movie. I'm so, so glad you brought it up. Yes, well, and... I've, I've watched it a few times over the years. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to watch it again this season yeah, yeah. <laughs> in honor yeah. of you. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it too. And spoiler alert, Gary, we absolutely loved Lights, Camera, Christmas. Oh, and great. I Thank just you. Love, I would love for you to give us a sense of what that process looks like for you in terms of developing story. One thing that Jennifer and I really try to do when we're taking a look at these movies and reviewing them isn't just to talk about the highs and the lows, but we really sort of try to hone in on, does this at the end of the day, tell a good story? Are these characters mm -hmm. that we can cheer for, believe yeah. in, and really see this sort of thing happening? I'd love for you to sort of talk our listeners through what that process looked like for sure. you with this film, developing absolutely. the characters, the storytelling mechanisms that you use, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, every movie is different and how you get through every script is different. Um, they all have their own uh, trajectories. They all have their own stories. Uh, in this particular case, um, I, I sometimes come up with a title first. Um, I wrote a play that was on in LA about five years ago called April, May, and June. And I just came up with that title one day and I was like, wow, that's a good title. I don't think it's ever been used. What can I do with that? And I said, well, there are three women named April, May, and June, but who are they? Mm -hmm. And ultimately it became a story about three sisters um, who are going through this, this rebonding period because uh, after their, their mother dies. And uh, it was a little bit like crimes of the heart, like that kind of kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, and I've done that a lot. You know, sometimes I've, I've heard a, you know, an old song title that's like, well, they've never used that as a title. That's a good, it's a great song, but it's a good title. And so sometimes I just figured it out from there. Lights, Camera, Christmas was one of those situations where it's just the title hit me. And I was like, I love that title, you know, and it's never, and I checked, it was never used as a movie before. I think it was used once as the, that, I don't know, it was like there was a, a, a short series about Christmas and they called it, I don't know, it was something, but it was not a, it was not a movie. And so I said, okay, what do I do with that? Well, Lights, Camera, Christmas, it's obviously, you know, it's about, it's about a movie. So I realized I had never seen a movie about the making of a Christmas movie. Um, there've been certainly movies about the making of movies and movies coming to town, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I couldn't remember, I, I, anybody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, that I didn't remember a Christmas movie, one of the, a TV movie, a Christmas movie 
that was about the, the actual making of a Christmas movie. Uh, and I figured that's fun, you know, we can have fun with that. So I pitched it to a company in Canada that was, we were looking to do something together, a company called Lighthouse Pictures, Lighthouse Productions. Um, and uh, they loved the idea. They took it to Hallmark. Hallmark thought it was a great idea. You know, uh, over the course of time, uh, we got into development on it. And uh, I did, you know, quite a few outlines. And the, the, the thing that, that Hallmark wanted to do, and it was really, you know, really smart, was that they liked the story that I created, but they said, is there a way we can tell the story a little bit differently? Because uh, they're trying to do things different, you know, do, you know, make some differences and things. So I came up with four different ways of telling the story. And uh, they liked all of them, but the one they liked the most was what we have, which if people haven't seen the movie, is it it, it opens, it's the whole movie is told in flashback from the uh, premiere of the movie. That's it's it's a it's a uh, streaming film on a on a a, a a fake network called Dazzle Plus. Um, but um, the the, uh, the the premiere screening is in the theater, and there's a Q and A with the cast and crew, at, for a huge audience after the movie after the screening is over. And every, so every time a question is asked and, and the answer becomes the flashback of, of how the movie was made and how everybody came to have the experiences that they did, but the flashbacks are chronological. So, you know, you had a couple of different things going on here. That was a bit of a juggling act. Um, and then it ends, um, you know, at the end of the Q and A um, and we're back in the present um, for everything to wrap up. So, um, that was really fun. And once we had that framing device, uh, it really, it really, everything really, really gelled. And, you know, with any of these films, you, you're any film you write, you know, you go through development, you know, we, we, we probably worked together on the outline. I worked with my Hallmark executives and, and my producer, Kevin, and, and, uh, and we, we, you know, work through the outline and we do various versions of the outline and keep mood changing, making it better, you know, losing things, gaining things, et cetera, making it, you know, as, um, uh, you know, as workable as possible. And then at a certain point when they're, when they feel the story is there, they say, okay, go to script. And then you write the script. And it's always interesting to see how you, how do you write a script that really matches this outline? Because, you know, writing something and writing scenes out, you know, in paragraph form and, you know, narrating what your movie is about is very different than uh, actually turning it into script form. So there are always changes that happen and things like that. But I think the first draft stayed pretty true to the final outline that, that I did. Um, and then it just evolved from there. I did a number of drafts. You know, we just sort of like, I call, you know, I call it like it's a big, your script, uh, script is a big hunk of clay and you're constantly molding and shaping and molding and shaping until you got the statue that you want. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where, where we ended up. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was it. And then they shot most of the final script and, uh, you know, things get edited out obviously for time, but, you know, they did shoot most of the final script. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not involved in, I wasn't involved in the casting at all, but, you know, as a writer, you have maybe not a real, an actual actor, but you have types of people in your mind that you see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I, I, I just thought they cast it so well. And Kimberly Sustad was great. And John Brotherton was hilarious. And, um, and, just, well, and the supporting actors are great. And, and also to be, to have the, the subplot in it. So it's, it's, you've got, you've got the Carrie and Brad, relationship, mm -hmm. the primary relationship, but then I wove in the secondary relationship between the Jill and Caleb, Jill and Caleb relationship yeah. and Jill is the writer director of the movie and Caleb is the producer and Jill and Caleb 
were married they for, for until a few years ago when they they divorced and they're brought back they and they produce many many christmas movies together uh in their day and they're brought back together on this old script of of um, of Jill's that this new streamer Dazzle Plus wants to produce. They want to get into Christmas movies. And the deal is bring this, make a hit, bring this in on time, on budget and on time, and we will make you a six, six picture Christmas movie deal. So Caleb and Jill needing to get back to work because they've been out of work for a while, they uh, reunite, you know, in total conflict to do this movie. And over the course of the movie, you know, it's kind of about what's the traje trajectory of their relationship. Um, and uh, uh, and it's really um, uh, and it's just really fun, you know. I, I, I was so glad to be able to have that in there, just sort of drop them in along the way. But it's all part of the the bigger puzzle of how you, of making of movie making, you know. And without the movie getting too meta, um, you know, I think we're able to really have a lot of fun with how movies are made, what happens behind the scenes, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, and then in the real world behind that. Um, and uh, it was just a you know total total fun to write. Well, we the have to dialogue, give you all the credit because yeah, oh, I was just going to say the dialogue really, I thought, moved the story forward. It yeah. really felt like I told Jennifer, it felt like a big warm hug. Like it was one of these um, easy to watch movies that I thought yeah. just really added something. And I did love that B plot with Jill and Caleb. I thought that yeah. that really added to the overall yeah. effectiveness. Jennifer, yeah, and those, act those actors were, were great too. Um, Spot on. Yeah. The actor who played Caleb played. Uh, the boss in um, in another movie I wrote called Mister Three Sixty Five, mm. which okay. was retitled when it went when it went international and on Lifetime as Forever Christmas, and he was great in that. I think he won some like uh, Canadian award, uh, you know, Canadian acting award for that film, and and uh, he's really 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 terrific. So I was so excited when when they said he was going to play Caleb because he was just perfect. I love that whole circle moment. Well, yeah. Yes. I mean, I think yes. it's really a testament to you and your writing because these characters, I mean, we don't always care about the B plot characters, but in this mm -hmm. movie, because they are so fully formed that you do root for all of them and you yeah, want, you're yeah. invested in their story. You're invested in their love and their laughter and all of that. Yeah. So yeah, you, kudos you know, you want, to you. <laughs> thank you. You know, you want, you want to create characters that, you know, it's not always so much characters that people like. Of course, you know, in in, in Christmas movies, you want to like the characters, but it's, it's very important that you that in addition to liking them or rooting for them, that you relate to them. You relate to their issue. You relate to the, their theme. So with Carrie, people relate to realizing at a certain point in their life they've got to make a change. They've got to go for the goal. They've got to maybe move out of their town or just make things work in their town or whatever. Certainly commit to romance. Um, you know, for um, you know, for Brad, it's about, you know, I love being the king of Christmas movies and I've done so many of these and they've been so good to me. They've made me a star, but I want to do something in addition, not instead of, but in addition and take that risk. And he finally gets the opportunity to do it. Um, and uh, ultimately it's like, what will, will he or will he not take that risk, you know, as an actor, but he was ready to do it. You know, like I said earlier, you, you get character, you catch characters at the moment that they're ready to change their lives whether they realize it or not and it's the 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 you know the plot that you dump them into as a writer that is the impetus for them to finally make that change and who comes into their life to help them make that change so um yes yeah, so that was a big uh you know that, that was a big thing in terms of us relating to the bigger picture of what these characters are going through and certainly you know one of the things that i love exploring and i explored it a lot in the last birthday party in my book is 
what brings people together romantically and what splits those exact same people apart years later? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I'm fascinated by that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, how do you go from love, honor, and obey? I do. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. I can't live without you too. I can't be in the same room with you and I can't look at you. I mean, has that really happened? Right. What happened? And my theory and is, is, is uh, you know, it's nothing so unique, but it's just that, you know, a lot of the things that draw us to somebody in the beginning of a relationship often are the things that if inverted are the things that split people apart. So the things that the little quirks we love about something in the beginning turn into like these really problematic things, you know, what, what, but what is it? And can it be saved? Can it be salvaged? I mean, my parents uh, lived together for 29 years, almost 30 years until they got a divorce. Uh, you know, and so I, I was, I was older at the time I was in college when they, they divorced, but, you know, like just growing up around that was really something that I, you know, I, I so experienced that I always was so fascinated by, you know, how their relationship went from being, you know, so good to over the years of watching them, it deteriorating, you know, so it's pretty fascinating. It's slow. Me. It's usually, it's not one, ju- it's just not one thing. It's a slow progression. Yeah, it's a very time. slow yeah. progression for sure. Well, Gary. We're going to have to wrap it up because our time on Zoom is almost over here. But the book (laughs) is, I know, right? The book, of course, is The Mother I Never Had. And we just really want to give you like all of the kudos for a great film experience with Lights, Camera, Christmas. And gosh, we so much appreciate your time taking us behind the scenes of your process and your history. And we look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Yeah, hope there's more to see. Absolutely. Josh, I don't know about you, but I am inspired to go do something creative now. The thing I loved about Gary is his ability to just take what to me seems like so unattainable and just make it seem like something I could go out and do tomorrow. Like his thought about writing a novel a page at a time, one day at a time, to me is like, why aren't I writing a novel? I just... The man is just obviously one of these creative types who just always has 17 ideas swirling up here, but his ability- And they're all good ones. They're all good. They're all good, yeah. And his ability to just take that and turn it into stuff for us to enjoy is just really, really great. I just, I'm totally impressed by him. I couldn't get enough. I could have listened to him talk for two or three more hours easy. Mm -hmm. So we so appreciate him taking the time to chat with us and we just can't thank him enough. And that friends is another episode of do you watch what I watch? Special thanks to Nick Schwartz for our theme song and to you for listening like our podcast. Well, you're in luck. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. You can review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Just follow us everywhere. You'll thank yourself for it later. Um, you can leave a comment, and we're also online. When all else fails, just go to our website, doyouwatchwhatiwatch.com. Stay tuned to your feeds. We've got plenty of new episodes coming your way. And of course, check out our website where you can see all the movies that we're reviewing. We want you to watch them along with us and let us know what you think. You can, of course, send us a voice memo or a quick video to do you watch what I watch at gmail.com. And until we see you next time, may your days be merry and bright. Take care. Take care.